Have you ever heard the expression, what's the tea? According to Urban Dictionary, it means when someone has gossip and you want to know every detail as soon as possible. So that's what this podcast is. Spilling the tea and what it's like to have cancer, or the big C, as a young person in Northern Ireland. Recorded in 2021 during the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, this podcast series is hosted by Laura, myself, from Young Lives vs Cancer, formerly known as Click Sergeant, and Helen, myself, from Cancer Fund for Children. We have come together to talk about cancer services in Northern Ireland and share the stories of the young people and families we support. This conversation between Mark and Jamie explores two different experiences of mental health throughout cancer treatment, with the shared message to speak up, not man up. They discuss how powerful our thoughts can be and how important it is to look after your mind through talking to people and exercise as means of release and recovery. I never wanted to be a victim and even admitting to myself that I had cancer was making me feel vulnerable. So for a long time, I think where Jamie was very vocal about it, and he was like talking like through his issues with your friends and your family and all. For me, that was a weakness, which in hindsight wasn't a weakness. If I had it done what Jamie had done, I mightn't be telling you this story now, but for me, that was a weakness. So whenever I find myself in, 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 this, in this scenario where things were dark and, and, and it was, maybe was coming, I was getting thoughts of, you know, this is it, we're done. I, got, I did have help and I reached out. I reached out to Simon. I don't say this lightly, he genuinely saved my life. Just as a heads up, there are discussions in this podcast about panic attacks, anxiety, depression and dark and suicidal thoughts. There is also some discussion around difficulties in accessing mental health services in a timely manner. In the description of this podcast, we signpost to multiple organisations in Northern Ireland to support with mental health. And we also... 100% support the Teenage Cancer Trust mental health campaign, Not Okay, calling on the government to invest in oncology mental health services. We hope you enjoy this podcast. So, um, from a Young Lives Say Cancer hidden cost report in 2017, we have some mental health related statistics here. So, 79% of young people felt cancer had a serious impact on their emotional well-being. 70% of young people experienced depression during their cancer treatment. 90% of young people experienced anxiety during their cancer treatment. And 83% of young people experienced loneliness during their treatment. Um, With also 42% experiencing panic attacks. So... 42%? Yeah, 42%. I didn't think it was as high as that. Yeah, that's very high. Yeah. I really didn't. I was going to say, any thoughts on any of those statistics? Because I... I mean that personally. I'm I'm one of them. I'm one of them statist- statistics. I'm get like because I I suffered with panic attacks and all too. So I didn't think it was it was as high as that. What was your, if you don't mind chatting about it, Mark? Mm-hmm. What was your experience of a panic attack? So I think. So I mean, I was diagnosed in November two thousand seventeen, and then um, I sort of had this mindset of like, you know, I'm out of hospital. I'm I'm okay now. But real, but I was putting on this front that I was okay, but I wasn't like mm-hmm. because in my mind, I was like I'm a man, you know, men don't talk about their problems. Showing talking about problems or, or it's showing a weakness was somehow wasn't validating me as as like a man sort of thing. So, um, I was like on the outside, I was I was trying to be flamboyant, trying to be like life and soul of the party, but inside I, I couldn't cope. But then about four months, maybe five months after cancer treatment I thought I was like bulletproof again um 
but it wasn't uh, putting on this front. But I think the easiest way to, to explain it to someone, for me anyway, it's like, imagine you're, like we're all sitting here now, and then there's a tiger backing you into the corner, and there you can't move. So it's like, you know that feeling of like, <gasps> overwhelming fear, and then you don't know what it is. It's a because it's a it's a real body response. It's like your your body. It's like it's a bit like a faulty car alarm. Like it's there and it does serve a purpose. Because if you didn't have like anxiety, for if you didn't have anxiety, you, you would like walk towards the edge of the cliff and keep walking. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but a lot of people want to try to get rid of it. But I think what happens is it's like that feeling of overwhelmingness. And then the more you think into it, and the more you buy into it, it just cripples you. And you, you, there's nothing you can do. It just takes your breath away. You start hyperventilating. For me, I always cry as well. Like I'm tears, just bawling my eyes out with tears. Um, and it's just like I mean, the first very first time it happened to me, I was sitting in a restaurant with my girlfriend. Wow. And, and we were talking about normal stuff. We were actually at the swimming pool, and, went, and then went to get something to eat, and then just all of a sudden, bang, mm-hmm. it came on me, and I was like, "Whoa, what is?" It? I actually would walk out to the car, and my girlfriend thought it was like having a heart attack or something. Or what's wrong? And I didn't even know. So, I, so whenever somebody sends you like, "What's wrong with me?" You're like, "I, I, I don't know." It's must have been scary. Oh, it is terrifying. It really, it just crippled. You can't move. You, mm-hmm. You're just completely froze with just fear. And I think, especially being a guy as well, it talking about your problems or, or your it's not it's not a thing. Well, especially growing up for me, it wasn't a thing that you did because it's just like man up. Mm-hmm. You know that sort of mentality of like man up. You know. I mean that that mentality has done me well, and with certain things in life, whenever like if you get hurt or if, if something happens to you, you're like, right, come on, I need to, I need to overcome this. But it has been very unhelpful too, mm. especially when it comes to like emotional well-being and psychological well-being, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Jamie, would you say that sort of man up mentality has been part of your life or something you've experienced? Um. In certain aspects, of course, I think well, me and Mark have a totally different story. Mm-hmm. Um, I was diagnosed in 2019, May 2019, when I was an 18-year-old. Um, and it was a shock to everyone, shock to myself, family, friends, because up until then, it was like everything was just rosy. Mm-hmm. And, you know... I was always a very active uh, teenager, you know, competitive in, in swimming for Ulster, Ireland, club. You know, always was out and about active. And then just suddenly over, you know, once it turned 2019, the new year, things just started to get really bad and dark. And just as the months went on, it got worse and worse. And then the next thing I knew, I was in hospital, you know. And then next thing I knew was first chemo- chemotherapy, maybe a week or two in. Um but I think where me and Mark are, are different, Mark obviously had a really negative experience with panic attacks, whereas I never really had any mental health issues or problems when I went through treatment. And, you know, to, peop- to people who maybe listen to this now, they're probably just like, flip, that guy's, that guy's made of really tough nails. It's, it's really That's really not the case. I just was very vocal and very... I don't even know what the word the word says. I was very vocal with how I was feeling with chemo and stuff like that, and the support network that I had around me was sensational. You know, friends, family, doctors, other health professionals were always just either at the door or on the phone, like, "Hey, how you doing? I heard you had X number 
number whatever it was came out today how are you feeling and it's like you know feeling pretty rough but I'll come around on Monday and I'll give you a shout and we'll go for a, a walk or a coffee or something so we think that that man up mentality is definitely there mm-hmm. I think there's a very fine line you can sit there and just you could just be defeated mm-hmm. you could take it and you could just be defeated or else the man up mentality is you you fight this and you you make this what it is you, you make it your own because I think it's a very uh, fine line that if you just let this defeat you it will and if you if you you know if you face it up then you'll you will defeat it in the way you want to defeat it so that's the that's the way I sort of looked at it I 100% agree with what he's saying because although everything I've said so far is a very negative experience and I mean I find myself in a very bad place so I had um so I, I had it was having like really bad anxiety panic attacks and then depression as well um and for a lot of t- for a long like there was times there where the thoughts in my mind were very dark and I didn't see a way out and then I did see a way out and um but that mindset, and it's something that I've always had, it, it's like I've never wanted to be a victim. And I think part of the reason why I felt so weak and vulnerable is because I'm not saying people want to be victims in life, but like I never wanted to be a victim. And even admitting to myself that I had cancer was making me feel vulnerable. So for a long time, I think where Jamie was very vocal about it, and he was like talking like through his issues with your friends and your family and all, for me that was a weakness, which in hindsight... It wasn't a weakness. If I had it done what Jamie had done, I mightn't be telling you this story now, but for me, that was a weakness. So um, you see that mindset? So I've always had this mindset of, of don't give up. And it's like, and like for me, I, I can't. See, whatever I do, whatever I set my mind to, I, I can't give up. Because otherwise, the, the, the thought or the feeling of, of being defeated is way worse than the actual event itself. So it's it's like, if I set my mind to, do, set my mind to something, I will do it. And it's a bit like what Jamie's talking about. So you have to, whenever I find myself in, in, the, in this in this scenario where things were dark and, and, and it was, maybe was coming, I was getting thoughts of, you know, this is it, we're done. I got, I did have help. I then reached out. I reached out to Simon. I don't say this lightly. He genuinely saved my life because you know, he was the first person that I've ever actually opened up to and, and told him my, my truth. Um, and he got, he, he got me the help I needed through he he tried to help arrange to see a psychologist and at the start I didn't I didn't want to see a psychologist because only people who are nuts see psychologists because of the stigma surrounding it. Um and he helped support me through the Move Forward program, which is a cross CrossFit Move Forward, which is a an exercise program to help young adults post cancer treatment. Um and I used to use that as like my medicine. So it's a bit like what Jamie's saying, it's like I you ha- whenever you find yourself in these tough spots you have to be reactive to it. You can't, because for me, for a long time, I went polar opposite the other way. I was training like seven days a week and all, and, and just go, 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 go. But that's because in my mind, my so going to CrossFit, because CrossFit's arguably one of the mo- one of the hardest, most physically demanding sports in the world. And for me, going there and. It was maybe a bit sadistic, but see by putting yourself through that that pain and putting yourself through that it was for me it was very therapeutic. It was almost like screaming. Um but you have to be that was me being reactive to it because I, I, I didn't know 
but yes, that's what I was going to say. Sorry, it was me being reactive to it. But for me in my own mind at this stage, if I stop, I die. And that, and that seems very, very. But I was like, see if I don't, see if I, if I, because I've been it, I've been at the lowest lows, and, and now we're starting to get better because I'm using this as my medicine. And if I stop training, I die. And that, and that was my, that was my mentality with it. And that, now that's not the way I am now. I've, I'm, I'm better now, but. At that time, it's like it's just kind of what Jimmy was saying. It's like you have to be very reactive to these, to whatever it is faces you in life. It's very, very. It's it is a dark. It's a dark road. Don't get me wrong. Um, especially in the initial part of it, but like we we both have sort of the same mentality with the exercise. I mean, once I got let out of hospital, the first thing I did was go to the gym, and just. Because you know you ha- you are limited to what you can do, especially when when I was so sick, it was like, right, I need to do if I've got something to do, I'm gonna do it in the morning because by the afternoon and night time, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be bloodered. I'm gonna be I'm gonna ha- not gonna have enough energy to, to to stand up, and that's how it was. And you know you gotta face it. But I think just getting up and going to the gym for an hour just really sets the tone for your day and sets the tone for right that's right this is set the tone for the day let's be positive right need to go up to the hospital this afternoon go to the gym in the morning be positive go up to the hospital with a positive mindset and i think if you really have that i think that can can really go a long way and i mean still this day we we are both part of move forward um mark a little bit more so than i am at the minute but you know it is it's a fantastic program and it does definitely serve its purpose for young adults post-cancer treatment did you find um see whenever you so you were training whenever you were on on treatment were you yep. did you find any of your family members or any of your friends telling you not to go to the to go to the gym no absolutely not no, they were all very supportive of yeah, it. yeah 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 i mean friends friends would be friends would be like like, like how, how are you doing this like mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago i saw you and I, you're unrecognizable but now, right now you're like you just look fantastic, and it's just like, it's just, it just goes back to that stigma. It's like, the cancer is never, ever, gonna, it's not going to leave you in the next week. You know, it's, you. this is going to be with you for the next six months. You can either, like, bring it in and say, this is who I am now, or you can just, like, sit about and just sort of let it defeat you that way. So it was sort of like, I mean, it's not going to go away. It's part of me, so I need to get on with it. But do you, do you think that was your way of taking back control? Because whenever you're in the hospital, you're very much a passenger. Do you know what I mean? Do you think it was a way, by you going to the gym and saying, right, I am going to train here, do you think it was a, a way for you to like, maybe subconsciously take back control of a situation you weren't in control of? Yeah, I would say so. Because I always had that mentality of, I mean, I was a competitive athlete up until May. And it was like, you know, 15 years in a competitive sport. That's just not going to leave you overnight, you know. So mm-hmm. it's like that. So to go to your point, it's like, yeah, that was definitely the mentality. And I didn't care what anyone else had to say. It was like, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to own it. Mm-hmm. Do you think there was a level of acceptance, accepting what was happening when you chatted there, Jamie, about kind of going you know, this is me, this is, it's not going to go go away in a week, this is my reality, and um, it sounded like maybe then there was a level of acceptance that you were kind of like, 
this is this is what I what I have to do and I don't know what that was like for you Mark you know whether um when everything was happening when acceptance came into play I think the start of it by me not admitting that I had cancer was a way of me taking back control so it's like even whenever people try to give me help me like Simon whenever first time I met Simon I think I told him I wanted nothing to do with him now in hindsight I, I did need him but for me, it was just like, I need to take back control of this. And even using this word survivor, and it's even something to this day, I, I like I know by definition that's what I am. I'm a cancer survivor. But the word survivor makes me feel like a victim. And I, when I never wanted to be a victim. Uh, because it's, and it's just something that I don't, I don't... For a lot of people, I know a lot of people seek refuge in that word. And it's like, it means different things to different people. So survivor can, can make you feel empowered. But for me, it makes me feel weak and vulnerable. Not, not the, not the like me saying survivor. If I say that, that oh, Laura's gonna think I'm weaker. But I'm talking about from with the voice and within me makes me feel vulnerable by saying that word. So, um, no, it's it's not something. It's not something that I've. No. I find that really um, interesting because I think language and mm -hmm. words that are used when it comes to cancer generally. Um, can have a huge impact yeah. on um, your mental health. Do you know what sort of annoyed me a bit too? Whenever I was going through my cancer treatment, people are all like, oh, you're a warrior and you're so strong and you're fighting this so hard and all. And I'm like, no, I'm not. All I am is a passenger here. And that's not a weak mentality or that's, it's the facts. So it's like if somebody, so you mean to say that if somebody passes away from, from their cancer, that they didn't fight hard enough? Do you know what I mean? And I did have a friend who passed away a few years ago, and I used to see all her Facebook and Instagram. And so I was like, you know, she she lost her fight. No, she didn't. Mm. We're only we're only a passenger in this. Yeah, the treatment failed her. She yeah. didn't lose anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Jamie, what do you think about some of the fight language around cancer treatment? I mean, the longer the longer it is post treatment. I can see where Mark's coming from. And it was only until really Mark spoke that into existence during the psychology project that we're a part of was only was when I really realised. It was like, right, he's... I can actually relate to that now. Because back then, in 2019, like, the amount of people that would come up and they, like, they would see me and we would chat about it and stuff like that, I always felt like... I always felt the support. And to this day, I still feel the support, like... That I want to listen to this. Your support was very valuable. Don't get me wrong, but there does come a time where you are over that period of your life, and it can almost become quite negative. A little, maybe negative. Maybe isn't the best word to use, but I'm going to use it. It's like maybe you're you're two years post treatment, and it's something that you want to leave in the past, but you can't leave it in the past because you see maybe you maybe see someone you haven't seen in a, in a long time um and you know they speak about it like oh you're looking so well you know last time i saw you were you were this and i was like yeah but so long ago now like you know i would i would love to change the narrative i would love to not be represented like oh he beat cancer when he was 18 19 i i, I wanted to be known as it's my it's my mate i haven't seen in a while um that sort of thing it's like I think like the stereotype, as bad as it sounds, I don't think the stereotype will ever go away. And you know there are there are positives to it as well, but I think 
from my point of view, I think you do want to sort of like you do want to change the record a little bit. And I know that's hard, but that's just what that's my mentality, and that's Mark obviously Mark's mentality yeah. as well. But I think what happens is see if you put a label on on yourself, so you're like. And you, and you and that's what I said earlier on. A lot of people seek refuge in it, but if you put a label on yourself that I'm a survivor, I know that's what you are. It's quite it'd be quite difficult to get rid of that. Do you know, like it's if you if you've identified as that, and you're getting tattoos and all. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with people who've done that, because for some people that, that that can help. But if you're wanting to try, I agree with Jamie 100. If you're wanting to transition, there has to be a time whenever the show goes on. Do you know, and it can be it can be very helpful for a period of time identifying as that and seeking refuge in it but there has to be a stage where you have to move on from cancer services and move away from that cancer I think a lot of people are different I think a lot of people they they deal with it in different ways I think mm -hmm. there, there could there are obviously going to be people out there that deal with it as I am a survivor they'll have it in their Instagram bio or whatever and they'll hold on to that and that you know, take nothing away. If that is how you deal with it, then fair play to you. Mm -hmm. But I know from my my perspective, and obviously from Mark's perspective as well, you, we both want to move on from that time of our lives. We want to, you know, it's two years. I'm two years, three years on. Mark's, you know, longer than that. We we, we do want to move on from it and transition, as Mark says. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I've even seen sometimes. Um, Sometimes people are, and I can see, I get the reason why, but it's like I'm, I'm celebrating like a, like a cancerversary. And then I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, why would I want to celebrate literally the worst thing that's ever happened to me? Mm -hmm. It's like you imagine if, if something really horrific happened to you, like you were in a plane crash or something, or a car crash, or why would you celebrate that? But I get the reason why people do, because they're like, you know, it's empowering, it could be empowering for them. And it's like, you know, I beat this and, and I'm a stronger person from it, both physically and mentally now. But for me, personally, I'm just like, no, that's not for me. I think it's really um, important and positive to have conversations mm -hmm. like this, though, where, and the, I mean, certainly been largely my experience of working with young people who have been diagnosed with cancer, that even if you differ in opinion of how you kind of are going to cope or um, deal with something, that there's still this very much this respect for one another in terms of, I suppose, what you've been through. So as you said, even if, if someone... Um, really adopts that sort of persona and that that's what's getting them through, well, fair play to them. You know, for yeah. me, it's something different and I think it's hugely important that you can have conversations like this that acknowledge both mm -hmm. and how important both are, but here's what works for me, actually, and, and this is why. Yeah, everyone's different. Like, we don't, we don't want our experience and our mindset to sort of rub off on someone who's listened to this now like everyone's mm. different like mm -hmm. you just need to you just need to do you and 100%, that's it 100% that, that is yeah you do you. it's just like you do you it's like but you know what I find as well especially like if you look on social media and stuff it's like this is maybe not as much cancer related but if you look on social media everybody seems to be comparing themselves to other people it's like oh he's got really nice eyes or he's got abs or he's got this or he's got that and why don't I have that a lot of people, I think, I feel, because this is something that I find myself doing as well, and things that I tell myself, is like, you need to stay in your lane and focus on you, what works for you. Fact. Do you know what I mean? It's like, because so many people spend their entire lives focusing on what other people are doing, and then they're full, imagine we're, we're in a race, right? You spend your spend your entire life worrying about whatever everybody else is doing, that you're falling behind and race yourself. So we just, and that's sort of my mentality, my mindset now, it's where, because I find for a long time, especially you spend a bit of time on social media and you're scrolling through, seeing all these guys with like the perfect hair, the perfect teeth, you know, 
sex packs that they're doing you know, what they're all like all this love violence stuff. Do you know, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Not that we watch that, Jimmy. But <laughs> 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 we do. <laughs> um, but you know, and but that kind of stuff can get you down. But see if you just focus on on, on whatever it is you're doing, because the, the chances, the likelihood is, see them people you're looking up to, they could also be doing that to somebody else. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I mean, Jamie's, Jamie's, Jamie's was competing, or Jamie was swimming at a high level mm-hmm. for like all was it Ireland, Ireland yeah. and Ulster, Ulster and Ireland, yeah. Right. So then Jamie's maybe looking up. So so for me, I'm like, whoa, Jamie's class. Jamie's a really good swimmer. But Jamie's maybe looking up to Michael Phelps and saying, oh, but here you know, I'm not as good as Michael Phelps. Do you know what I mean? But it's like it's all relative. So definitely, what Jimmy said, they're like staying in your day and, and just focusing on you. That's what it's on. Do, on do what you do, you do whatever works for you. Did you, can I bring it back a bit and ask how you find social media when you're on treatment, when you're on, like, going through that? Because a lot of people talk about how treatment's very isolating. Mm-hmm. And for some people, social media is really good because you can stay connected to your friends, you can do et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But how did you find it at that point? I used it to my advantage. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't now because, obviously, we talk about that transition phase. Mm-hmm. I'm over it. But in the moment, like we, we always talk about you need to live in the moment and in the moment, you know, posting about, like I remember putting up a post and it was like, like 63, 63 days ago, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma and like it was my way of telling people like this, I've, I've won the fight already. Mm. And to me that social media really allowed me to, not only connect, but allowed me to, like, this is who I am. This is who I am right now. This is a part of me right now. So I may express it in the way that I want to express it. And it really, it helped me through it. It helped me stay positive. It helped me, right, this is the fight I'm in. And from there, from there, you just, you understand who your real mates are. And you understand who who's with you, who's not so with you. And... Like to this day, I still have the same friends, the same friend group, and you know, that's I think I think social media really helped me through through that time period. But like now, I wouldn't I wouldn't post anything about it. Like mm-hmm. for for me, I I, I didn't I didn't wasn't helpful at all. Mm. We're playing devil's advocate here, Jimmy. For me, it wasn't um helpful at all. It was like you're seeing everybody succeed. And everybody's living their best life, and then all this bad stuff's happening to me. It's like, why me? You know. Um, but yeah, then, don't, don't get me wrong. That he makes a very, very good point there. Mark mm-hmm. makes a very good point. Like that is a negative that like, mm-hmm. you do. You do see people on your Snapchat or whatever, and they're out and they're partying and they're getting drunk. They're not coming home f- until five in the morning. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And that is tough. That's tough. That's tough to see. Like, yeah, you're booking your ring up for another reason. Yeah, yeah. you're, <laughs> you're, you're, yeah, and. That is tough to see, but you just, the way I looked at it was, this is going to end soon. Like, I'm halfway up the mountain right now, I'm going to be at the top of the mountain in three months, and that's going to be me. Mm-hmm. And nothing's going to stop that from, from happening. Mm-hmm. But I do agree with Mark, and I'll let him come in here, so I cut him off, but right. I, I, do, I do agree with Mark, that is a negative side, because you do see everyone out there having fun, they're living their best lives, while you are at a significant disadvantage. Yeah, so at the start, at the start, definitely it was negative, but then towards, I would say it was probably in lockdown last year, the very first lockdown last year, I 
was having a tough time, and I thought to myself, no, I, I, and I didn't care about anybody. So I, I always used to care what people thought, um, because I always had to give, keep up this persona that everything was okay. I was having a tough time of it, and I put a, a post up. I put this video together, and it was like showing my scar and my chest, and and talking about the, the tough times, and it's okay not to be okay. And I know that that, that that's thrown out quite a lot. Um, I mean, I see that thrown out quite a lot on social media, and I think. It's just for a trend. It's almost like a trend. But see, like some people talk it, but I've lived it, and it's different. Do you know, so it it almost devalues what that message is about. Personally speaking, for me, but um, so I I put that video out, and it absolutely like blew up. Like it blew up. Like it got so like so many likes and so. And I just and I wasn't doing it for that. That wasn't doing it for that reason for validation or anything. I just did it because I was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm 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 for the first time in my life, I'm I'm owning this. And, and this is and this is see if I could see if it, nobody likes it don't care mm-hmm. and, and that was just that was just my my mindset around it and then it became very helpful and it became very helpful for a time but then you also have to move on too so the, in order to, for me and as I say everything I'm saying here is just what's that worked for me I'm not trying to influence anybody else but for me like I'll work like then it worked as as a for a while but then as, you know the show must go on you ha- they have to because I find, you know, for me especially, if if you a lot of the the dark, like not the dark, but a lot of like the depression was coming from living in the past, and then the anxiety was coming from living too far in the future. So I was just living in. I know it's going to sound really cliche, but I was just like living in today. When you see, for example, I have to go for um, another CT scan next. Could be, could be even be this week. I would say, no, next week, um, and. This is scan three of five, three of five, and it's currently eleven months overdue. So because of COVID and all that kind of stuff, but I mean, I, I sometimes would feel like, and I'm sure everybody gets it, like a wee niggly pain in your chest or or something. And my initial immediate immediate thought is, cancer's back. Just because I think it doesn't make it true. I mean, I could have a thought that I'm going to win the lottery, and you could all if you if you closed your eyes, you could almost imagine like. What would you do with the money? I'm going to buy a Lamborghini. Me and Jamie's going to LA. You know, <laughs> we're going to be living it up. And it can almost feel real for a while. And that would be a very positive thing, positive thought um, that you'd be having. You can almost get the feelings of, of happiness and joy. So the exactly the same thing can happen with negative thoughts. You know, so one thought can, so the, the one positive thought of me when the lottery has turned into me like buying a Lamborghini, me and Jamie going to LA, me and Jamie are becoming an Instagram influencers. We're we're <laughs> we're going to be living our best lives, right? Yeah. So that one thought's turned into five, and you could quite you could be quite powerful feelings and emotions with it. If I have a thought the cancer's going to come back, friends and family are going to be worried. What happens if it kills me this time? What kind of treatment we're going to have? So one negative thought has turned into five, just because I think it doesn't make it real. It doesn't make it make it real. That's um, really powerful, mm-hmm. and. Um, I suppose I'm interested as well to know, it seems like there's been a real shift in mm-hmm. your um, thinking patterns and how you, I suppose, cope and, and manage those difficult feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I would love to know who some of the key people are that have supported you to get to that place and maybe some of what they've done. Um, Simon, definitely. Because he, uh, I've got the utmost respect for him. Like, there's nothing I can ever do, ever, 
that it's going to be a not like he genuinely saved my life. Like, and there's nothing I can, I can say thank you to him. I can buy him donuts, I can buy him coffee. There's nothing I can ever <laughs> do that, that can repay him for what he's done for me. And I mean, the work he does is invaluable. And um, I'm only one story. Like, Jimmy could probably tell you, I'm only one story. There's hundreds more, you know. And I mean, he deserves a medal for, for all the work he's done, genuinely. You know, even with the CrossFit Move Forward program, he started all that voluntary. And he's working like additional shifts in the gym. He's coaching additional non-move forward like in, his, in his own time to be able to, so then the gym owner says, no worries, you can do your move forward program. And he's done that for the past three years. And he doesn't want no thanks for it. He doesn't, he, he just, he's doing it because he's a good person. So Simon's a big player. Um, Simon is a quick, so, or a young life cancer social mm-hmm. worker, by the way, as well. Burning, for burning, g- burning guy. Um, I wouldn't tell him that. <laughs> 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 no, I'm not joking. No, he's a brilliant guy. Um, and then, I guess, the, every, I'm trying to say everybody, even uh, even you, Helen, because, I mean, you, you were able to, you brought us down to Daisy Lodge and, and introduced me, and that was the, really the first time that I actually spoke, I think, about, I think it was the first time I realised that I wasn't really alone in all this. Oh, wow. Because I went through this whole experience and never met anybody else who was sick. And I thought it was just me. And then I think getting to see other people and realising that you weren't alone was a big thing for me. Um, and then uh, my psychologist, I don't know if I can say her name. I might actually just say her name and cut it out. She's called Dr. Alex Bailey. She is unbelievable. Wow. She is a psychologist. It's crazy because she knows absolutely everything about me and I don't know one thing about her. It's just like, <laughs> but it's strange because they almost, like, I always had this thought of like, you're going to go and you're going to be lying on a sofa and she's going to be like, preaching to you but it's not they, they almost I don't it's not like hypnotizing you but they do like <laughs> they speak they speak to you they speak to you not at you and they're, they're, they're like no judgment so no matter what you say there's no judgment and so she was a big player and then I don't know really how to say it like I don't want this to sound come across bad but like me I love that because yeah. I, I mean I didn't get me myself into this mess but I was the one who got me got out of it you know because Yes, I had a lot of support now, but a lot of people like yourself and Simon and the psychologist. But I mean, it was me who got me out of this. Do you know what I mean? I hope that doesn't come across as being like narcissistic or anything, but it's the, it's the truth, and it's it all it's all boils down to mindset. I mean, I'm an Olympic weightlifting coach, and with weightlifting, it's very much a it's very much a mental game. So if you uh, if you if you're speaking negatively negatively about yourself, or you believe you aren't going to lift this, you won't lift it. So. It's something that, that I really enjoy coaching, and especially I've actually coached a lot of me for for guards and guys, mostly guards actually to be honest with you at the minute, um, and it's really they're really enjoying it. But I think it's because the reason why they're enjoying it is because they're like there's no way I could there's no way you call this one of the lifts is called the snatch. It's like no way I could snatch forty kilo, mm-hmm. and then that's at week one, and then see by the time so we're doing every act, everything we do between week one and week six, week six has a purpose. And it's all tied in, and we're trying to get build strength, positional strength in certain areas. And every time week six, week six comes, that they're maybe surpassed forty kilo, or they're doing forty five kilo, and and you can just see the com- the confidence building within them. It's like, what else? What else can I not do here? But the key limiting factor at week one was the mindset. So you can see a massive shift in mindset from week one to week six. So you're, it's like Jimmy's saying to your, your mind, your mind is the most powerful asset that we all possess. 
I mean, I've seen like, there's guys climbing Mount Everest, like double amp guys who were um, I was actually watched a documentary on it. This guy, this guy climbed Mount Everest and he had a uh, he was double amputee. Even if you watch the CrossFit the games, the CrossFit games there, um, a lot of the adaptive athletes are it's unbelievable the stuff them them guys are doing, unbelievable. Totally. But it's all about mind, it's all mindset. Um, by the way, I would say for anyone that has been part of uh, supporting you from whatever stage onwards would say to hear you say that you were a big person or a big part of bringing you out of what, what you went through is would probably make them feel the most proud so mm-hmm. that's exactly what this is all about it's exactly what being part of supporting any young adult um teenager child is all about it's you seeing your own strength yeah. and and um owning that i think that's mm-hmm. amazing um Jamie, I suppose uh, to, to give you the opportunity, if there was, I know you spoke about even being in hospital and your treatments and, um, you know, you felt able to, I suppose, express yourself very early on, which is incredible. Um, but if there was anything that stuck out to you, I suppose, during that time that really helped or supported you? Number one's yourself. As Mark says, number one is yourself because no one is going to be able to fight the fight for you. You need to approach it head on and you know people can give advice pe- people can give you know oh, I'll I'll sit by your bed while you take chemo today it's like but the only person that can beat it is is you so have a, it's just my it's mind over matter it really is it's mind over matter and so number one is yourself number two family mm-hmm. um mom and dad just the amount, I hope, well, they will listen to this, because I'll make them. Mum <laughs> <laughs> and dad, um, I've, ne- I've, I've never really spoken to mum and dad post, like, how much they meant to me, and, you know, just whatever, everything my mum and dad j- did during that time was just above and beyond, you know. Um, they were cooking me meals to bring up to the hospital. They were, like, I remember photo my dad at, like, 10 o'clock at night or something he was getting ready to go to work the next morning he still came up and sat with me until I fell asleep and it's just things like that like mum and dad and then my other family members like I just can't thank them enough for what they for what they do and people are going to listen to this and go well that's what family do but like you know that's just the relationship that my family have we are so so close and you know everything my mum and dad did was was for me you know, they didn't think of anybody else. It was just me for those six months. And, you know, I'm just so glad that we were able to, to defeat this as a family. And then we were able to enjoy, you know, our sort of, our, our getaway in the new year to Miami after it to celebrate. And then number three was Simon and Lisa. I mean, two legends. Um, Especially especially Lisa. I don't want to, Simon's here in this Le- Le- I, I Lisa, Lisa's I no better <laughs> but I've just I actually forgot about Lisa so big shout out to you Lisa uh, we'll edit we'll that out <laughs> but Lisa and Simon it's it really is it's it's Sam it's reiterating what Mark had to say they the work that nurses and the work that Simon does for a click sergeant is just it goes so under the radar it's a joke I mean I could I could sit here and just and just say they deserve an MBA, honestly. Like the work <laughs> they do is just and not just for us, for me and Mark, it's for the hundreds other people that have suffered from 
you know, the same diagnosis or even worse, they're always there for you and they put you first. They don't, they, they only care about you. And the work that they do is just undeniably, just it's simply amazing. Like they just, just everything they do for you in the hospital, outside the hospital. Like I remember Lisa, I remember during August, my, my dog passed away and that was a really tough thing to take for, for myself and my mum and dad obviously as well. Cause like we take our dogs everywhere with us. Like we go on holiday to Spain and all and they're in the back seat, do you know what I mean? So that was a really tough, that was a really tough period of time during that summer. And like Lisa was just at the front door, like that afternoon, just, you know, she sat with us and she sat with me and like, she doesn't need to do that, you know, but it's in her nature to just to, to be there for you. Uh, and then aside from, from Simon and Lisa, the great work they do, just your friends, your support network. I mean, they all they all know who they are when they listen to this. You know who you are. Um, just everything they did, just everything they did, just always being there for a phone call or being there for a text or just showing up at the house unexpected and just being like, how's it going? You might have to come in, they'll sit with you for a wee bit. And just, I think during the hospital, when it, during the time when I was in hospital, just the amount of people that just came up and visited the hospital, like, at once the nurse came in and was just like, oh, no, it's all right, I'll come back. And she was like, how many's in here? And it was just like, about 15 people. <laughs> like, just the amount of people that showed up, you know, not even like, not even asking. I just, I love I loved that and having that support that people just, you know, came in. It was just like, yeah, we're here. Let's talk, let's let's talk. And we're all here for you. And we're all here supporting you through this, through this journey, so... Amazing. It sounds like there's lots of opportunity to talk. You know what I mean? That you were saying, obviously, that you were able to express yourself quite mm-hmm. a bit. And it sounds from that like you were, there's lots of opportunity mm-hmm. to say that. Also, back in the day, we could just visit a hospital and yeah. that was okay. Mm-hmm. I know. Do you remember those times? Um, Seems like 10 years ago. Doesn't it? At this stage. Uh, one of the statistics that um, came from the Young Lives Be Cancer Hidden Cost report as well was um, that 73% of young people said talking to others with similar experiences helped them. Okay. Um, I know you guys have, have maybe touched on certain things, but it sounds like that's something you would resonate with, or what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, definitely. Because um, as I said, the first time whenever we brought us down to Daisy Dodds, that was, that was, I mean, it was in, in with the Move for, Across the Move Forward programme. But whenever we go there, cancer isn't the focus. Like it's, it's not as if like you're sitting down and everybody's talking, singing Kumbaya around the fire talking about cancer. It's not like that. <laughs> it's like um, everybody's... So the mentality at CrossFit Move Forward, CrossFit Move Forward is um, we're all a team. We're all in this together. I mean, everybody knows that everybody's had cancer, but nobody really cares. It's like... We're there to we're there to help push each other on. We're like we're a team, and it's just there's really good vibe about the place, a good vibe, and it's sort of like that, that that's becomes infectious. So like you see somebody and they're they're helping each helping each other push each other on, then that becomes infectious. So I mean, the first time I ever actually was talking about it with other people was with you at Daisy Dodge that time you brought us down, and like I don't want to mention their names, but all like all the girls were there, and some of the guys were there too. And I never realised how much I had in common with a lot of these people, because from the outside looking in, you would think, "Oh, they've got they've got all their stuff together," but 
whenever you dig a wee bit deeper, you realise that that's not the case. And, it's, and it was, and certain with certain people, it was just like looking in the mirror. They had they were have, going through the same stuff as I was, and I, I found I, I sort of used to seek refuge in that, knowing that you weren't alone. And I think whenever you've been through a similar exper- like a, a shared experience, it sort of takes away all the. There's no fakeness. Like I mean, even if me and Jimmy, like when we're talking here, but if me and Jimmy are talking, there's no fakeness. It takes away all that. It's just very raw and real. Do you know what I mean? Which is, and I, 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 you know, I used to seek refuge in that, and still do. I didn't join Move Forward until after treatment. Mm-hmm. I never joined. I don't think I joined it until when last year, sometime. Maybe, yeah, it? it was way, way down the line because then COVID hit, and then it was like August. I think I joined. Mm-hmm. And did a few sessions, um, but for my age, there wasn't anybody, there wasn't anyone who had the same experience as me, apart from, and like that was a that day was such a nice it was such a nice highlight of that journey because I had never been to Daisy Lodge, and then when you had taken me and down, it was just such a it was such a refreshing day and. Just to sort of to speak to her, not even just about like counselor. It was just speaking to her. It's just just the same. But it feels real. Yeah. Like, like, there's no. It's just a real conversation. Even even if you're not talking about cancer, it's just real. Yeah, it was just a, it was a real conversation. Like we 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 may not have spoken about cancer, but we knew we had things in common already. So it was like to have that that to be able to share that with someone who was. You didn't really know at the time, but then you, you knew them so much better after the conversation was, was, was special. So the Teenage Cancer Trust's um, recent Not Okay campaign mm-hmm. would say that a third of young people with cancer have been unable to access mental health services. So, joke. This is, yep, 100%. This is where it gets difficult because, so whenever I, I found myself in trouble and I was in trouble, right? Simon helped support me, and then Simon and Lisa were both pushing as hard as they can to help get me seen by a clinical psychologist. Um, so we could say it was in a state of emergency, right? So see if you were to have a heart attack right now, Helen, what would happen? Touch where it doesn't happen. But if you were to have a heart attack right now, what would happen? Well, hopefully someone would phone for an ambulance. Right, and you would be seen when? Immediately. Okay. So by the time I registered that there was a problem, and there was a problem, until the time I was seen was 60 days. Exactly 60 days. A lot of people don't have 60 days. Yeah. So this is where this is where the system's all messed up, because if I had have actually made an attempt in my life, I would have been seen. So is prevention not better than cure? You know, so the whole... The whole thing's nuts. Like it's even the biggest killer of males aged twenty five to forty five in Northern Ireland is suicide. Mm. And I think it's actually getting higher. I think it's getting higher. It's higher again. And according, to, I remember looking these 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 statistics up before. I think according to the World Health Organization, over eight hundred thousand people a year taking their own lives. And that equates to about one person every forty seconds. There's a there's a massive massive there's massive massive. There needs to be more time, money, and resources put into mental health services in this country, and it's just it's not good enough. It's really not because there's too many people still suffering in silence who may be too afraid to speak out. And I do still think there's a massive stigma surrounding this as well, especially with males too. And you're starting to, you are starting to see bits and pieces and more of it. Now I think I touched on this a wee bit earlier on, and it's sort of a bit of a fine line where I find like May was, me- May was Mental Health Awareness Month. 
why isn't every month mental health awareness, mental health awareness month? Do you know when there's people that are here sharing it? No, and that's good because that's what needs to happen. But it's like it's almost as if it's like a trend. It's like it's okay not to be okay. Most people don't even know what that means. It is okay not to be okay. However, it's not okay to stay that way. Do you know what I mean? It's it's different, and the difference is some talk that I've lived it, and it, I don't know. It's, I mean, I could talk about this for ages, but we're trying to make it, we're trying to what Jimmy said. We're trying to speak it into existence. We're trying to make it make a real difference. I mean, a real difference. It, that's why it'd be interesting to see what's actually happening with this not okay campaign, because you can do a hashtag and you and you can share it and raise awareness. But what's actually happening? You know, because. Uh, you know, I don't know. Absolutely. If I had knew we were going to bring this up, I would have brought my dissertation with me, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, st- I studied this for my final year in university. I did young adults and their perception of mental health and physical activity. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, not off the top of my head, but the statistics are frightening. Not only just in Northern Ireland or the UK, but globally, the, the statistics are frightening. Um, and... I just think that now, obviously, there is a funding issue. There, re- there really is a funding issue in this country, and it's something that is. It's just. It's been. It's just like it's been turned over like a book for the past five years. Like I know there is. They are trying to make strides to improve funding, but there's just not enough. Like it's exactly what Mark says. Like, and you you mix it. Sorry, you mix in COVID with that too. It's only getting oh, worse. Yeah, well, like, it is. Yeah, there's. Yeah. Young people were supporting at the minute, and they're over a hundred days now waiting for psychological. And support. that's 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 ridiculous. That's not good enough. Like I understand the pandemic and everything that's happened, but I mean, hundred days. What what is it going to be? Is it going to be two hundred days till they're seen? Do, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Whenever you do get this, the, the psychology services in this country, the work they do is unbelievable. They have saved so many lives, but it's getting to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the, the whole the system's flawed. The whole things, you know. As I said earlier, if, if I had a, if I had made an attempt in my life, I would be seen. Mm-hmm. So it's all like, it's all it's all back to front. Yeah. yeah. And another thing too, like I think, especially going and seeing psychologist. Like if anybody's listening here, going and seeing a, a psychologist or a counselor when your head's not in a good place should be as normal as going to your GP when you have a cold. Do yeah. you want to make it? Cause Absolutely. That's the way, it, uh, and that's the way it needs to be. Very quickly, yes. If to finish us off, if there was one piece of advice you could give to someone potentially listening to this podcast who was struggling with their mental health, what would it be? Be real to yourself. Be real to yourself. Allow yourself to feel how you feel. Don't like see if there is anything in your life that's toxic, whether it be social media or like toxic friends or anything. Just cut them off, like cut them off, but like try to eradicate it and just focus on whatever it is you need to do. For some people, some for me, it's going to the gym and, and working out. For other people, it could be like doing jigsaws. For other people, it could be like I don't know, art, gardening, cooking. Just focus on whatever it is you want to do. And really, doesn't really matter what other people think. It's about what you think. And just focus. Just stay in your lane and just focus on you. And that's pretty much. Brilliant. All I gotta say. Jimmy? Don't really have really much more to add than what Mark said, but just just be yourself. Um, If there is someone out there that you can open up to and you you trust them, Mm -hmm. whether it's your mum, your dad, your best mate, your 
I don't know, your your third uncle for whatever it could be. Just open up and you know, talk yeah. about your problems because you could you could go into a conversation for an hour and you could come out feeling like a million dollars. So just be yourself, open yeah. up and talk about issues that you're having and just yeah. Definitely, hundred percent agree. That's what my dad is about. Definitely, hundred percent. Be real to yourself and, and talk and be open. Don't do what I did, because don't, don't suppress all these feelings and emotions and thoughts. And because eventually you will implode, like I did. And that's where me and Jamie are very similar mindset wise, but we've had two very very different different paths. Where he he at a very early stage was what I should have done was opened up and been real to myself, but I didn't. So. If they take anything from it, it's just like Jimmy said there, be real to yourself, open up, talk about it with your friends, your family, your loved ones, whoever it may be, because I don't want to call it a quote, but a problem shared is a problem halved. A big thank you to Jamie and Mark for speaking with us. And thank you to the National Lottery Community Fund for funding this podcast as part of our Together We Thrive project, which enables us to share these stories. If you're a young person listening to this and themes mentioned today have struck a chord with you, we would encourage you to reach out to your Young Lives versus Cancer or Hospital Social Worker, Teenage and Young Adult Nurse or Cancer Fund for Children Services Team. They can signpost and refer you to relevant cancer-specific support services, including psychology and counselling. There are also links in the description of this podcast to key non-cancer-specific mental health support organisations within Northern Ireland. If you are experiencing crisis or distress, you can call Lifeline on 0808 808 8000 or the Samaritans on 116 123 or text SHOUT on 85258. All these services are 24-7 and provide confidential mental health support. If you'd like to get in touch with either Young Lives vs Cancer or Cancer Fund for Children, Our contact details are in the description of this podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the tea.